The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. I'm going to read this little article I found on airplane one time. It said, I recently came across a story of a father who ran to check on his young son after a powerful earthquake hit the area that they lived in. When this father reached out, uh, reached the school where his son had been, he found nothing but a pile of rubble and debris. As other parents stood by crying, this father began to dig. Though many people told him it was useless and tried to pull him away, he kept at it, stone by stone, beam by beam. He dug through the night and into the next day. Finally, he heard a voice cry, Papa! As he fiercely continued to dig, he eventually saw the face of his young son, and this is what his young son said. I told the other kids not to worry, his son said, because you told me you'd always be there for me. This father was faithful to his promise. He kept on keeping on. No matter even useless and hopeless, he kept on keeping on. And his son was glad he did. And the rest of those kids were too. Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. Bob Jones III said this, Find the will of God and do it. How many of you, and I don't want you to raise your hands, know that where you're at right now, is the perfect will of God for you at this time in your life. I know that right now I am in the perfect will of God. I know that I'm doing exactly what God would have me to do. And uh, I'm grateful for that. But you know what? There's a few things that we need to think about tonight. First of all is this. Who can do what we do? Who can do what we do? God reminds us to keep on keeping on because anybody could do what we do. God used a donkey one time. If he can use a donkey, he can use me, he can use you. He can use any circumstance. He can use a song. He can use a, a message. He can use a preacher. He can use uh, a family. He can use anything he wants to. 1 Corinthians one twenty six says this, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world... And things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are. That's the first thing I want you to think about. Who can do what we do? Anybody can that's willing. And then secondly, when we do what we do, God reminds us to keep on keeping on because Second Thessalonians 3.13 says, But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. So God knows that we are going to get weary sometimes in well-doing. As a matter of fact, he says the same thing in Galatians 6.9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season... We shall reap if we faint not. Can you imagine Noah who preached for 120 years and didn't get a convert, only his family, his uh, wife, and his children and uh, their wives were the only ones that got on the ark and everybody else was lost? You know, some people in today's culture and and even in uh, the independent movement that we're in would say that he was a failure because he, he didn't have any converts. But you know what? He was faithful to keep on keeping on, and he did exactly what God told him to do. You know, you can give somebody the gospel, but what they do with the gospel is their choice. You can't make somebody get saved. There's no way you can do that. Only the Holy Spirit of God can convict somebody and draw them and save them by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of people think that, uh, and I did this myself. I'll be honest with you. When I first got saved, I drove nine hours from Nashville, Tennessee, back to my hometown, and I went in to talk to my mom and dad to tell them what had happened to me because I wanted them to be saved. Because my first thought when I got saved, I said, oh, my, 
Mom's not going to heaven. Dad's not going to heaven. My little brother and I started, my family was a burden on my mind. And I drove those nine hours and I sat my mother and father down and I said, Mom, Dad, I want to tell you what has happened to me. And I told them what had happened to me. And I remember my mother saying that day, Bruce, I don't understand. She said, you, you wanted to be a star all your life. You've worked for this all your life, you, and you're just going to quit. And I said, Mom, I don't need to be a star anymore. I don't need a bus. I don't need a record deal. I have Jesus Christ. And whatever he wants me to do, that's what I want to do. I want to follow Jesus. That's what all I want to do. And she never understood it. I remember my dad that day saying, oh, that's great. That's great, son. I'm glad for you. And so I wanted them to be saved so bad that every time I was with them, I would try to, you know, I was trying to witness to them. I was trying to talk to them about the Bible. And, and then it got to the point where my burden was so great that when I would get around them, I would start crying. And they would look at me and go, I don't know what happened to you, but I don't want any of that. What in the world, you know? And so I, I had the burden, but I had lost my joy. But God helped me with that. My brother had started a bus ministry at our church years ago, and, and he told me, he said, there were times... He said, Bruce, it, it got so hard because he couldn't get anybody in the church to really help him out that much. And there was one guy that helped him a lot, but he was pretty much doing it all on his own. And he said one day after he took one, the last kid home, he, and this, this kid was like, he was a wild man. He was a hard kid to deal with. He said he pulled off the side of the road, and he said, God, I just don't think I can do this anymore. And he just prayed and tried to encourage himself in the Lord, and he said, but Lord, he said, I know this is right. I know this is what you want me to do, so I'm just going to keep on keeping on. He just kept on. That kid that he had the most problem with, his mother had a heart attack and died suddenly. And they called my brother from the hospital, and by that time I was saved, and I'd come home to North Carolina, and I was living there. My brother called me on the phone, and he said, Bruce, one of my bus kids' mom just died suddenly of a heart attack. He said, I need to go by the hospital and minister to these people. Will you come help me? Will you go with me? And I said, sure, brother. I'll be glad to do that. So we went to the hospital together, and we gathered in the room where everybody was meeting there, and he opened the Bible and read some verses and had some prayer time with them. And then he had his Bible, and he closed it, and he came over and handed it to me. And he said, Bruce, I'm going to go back here with this dad, with this boy and I'm going to weep with him in the room where this body is. He said, please pray for me, brother, that God will give me strength to say what I need to say and be a comfort and a help to this this man and his son. And so I had my brother's Bible in my hand, and I'm sitting there praying for him. You know, God help my brother. And I just happened to open to the very first page of my brother's Bible. And when I did, I saw my name on the front page. And this is what it said. On this day, and there was a date there. I don't remember the date. I surrender my brother Bruce to God. And it was circled. And right then, I started weeping and I started crying. And I said, God, that's what I need to do with my mom and my dad and my little brother because I can't save them. I'm just nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. Amen? And I just said right then, I said, God, when I get home, I'm going to take my Bible and I'm going to write their names down. I'm going to circle it. And I'm going to give them to you. And guess what? I got my joy back. I still had a burden. I had the joy of the Lord. Oh, it was wonderful. I could go around my my mom and my dad and my brother without weeping and crying and looking like I was a crazy man. It was great. So sometimes you can get a little discouraged. Sometimes you can get tired. But God will give you the strength to finish your race. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. 
Knowing that of the Lord, you shall receive the reward of inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. You know, God wants us to be a sponge, and everything we learn, he doesn't want us to just keep it in the sponge. He wants us to wring it out for other people. He wants us to take what we've learned and give it to other people. So who can do what we do, and when we do what we do, and then lastly here, why we do what we do. You know, have you ever questioned yourself and say, why do I come to church? Why do I read the Bible? Why do I work on a bus route? Why do I sing in the choir or in a group? Why do I do what I do? You know what? God reminds us to keep on keeping on because God gets the glory when we have the right motive about why we do what we do. Because sometimes if we do what we do with the wrong motive, that's not pleasing to God at all. Not pleasing to God at all. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Not our good pleasure, but his good pleasure. 1 Corinthians 10.31, Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Revelation 4.11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things. For thy pleasure they are and were created. Mark 9.41, For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name, because ye belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. In the Lord. See, it's all about him. It's not about us. It's all about him. 1 Corinthians three thirteen. Every man's work shall be made manifest. That word manifest means brought to light. For the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work, here it is, of what sort it is. Why you did what you did, what the motive behind it was. And of course, this verse is talking about the judgment seat of Christ, where you'll be standing before the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll give an account of your life as a Christian from the day you got saved till that day, and you'll tell him what you did with your time, your talents, your treasure, your testimony, and why you did what you did, what sort it is. What was the reason you did it? And I'll be honest with you, I, I believe that uh, hopefully uh, if I have done some things for Christ and did it with the right motive, I can receive a reward at the judgment seat of Christ. But if I did it with the wrong motive, it's going to be burned up. And I know that there are some things that I've done because somebody was watching me. I don't know if you've ever done that, but I, I'm a track maniac. I pass out tracks in the airports everywhere I go, whether somebody's watching me or not. But there have been times, especially when I was a young Christian, I would do it because I knew there was somebody watching me. Guess what? I already got my reward, my little pat on the back. That didn't mean anything to God. But when I do it because I love people and I love God and doing it for the right motive, for what sort it is, then there'll be a reward for that in heaven one day from my Lord. I want to read you something about a man who was doing what he was doing, and he did it for the glory of God and not for any monetary gain or anything. I don't know if you've ever heard of a man named Willard Thomas before. Willard Thomas is a preacher. I met this dear preacher in Michigan when I was doing a camp meeting there, and John Jenkins gave me this so I could share it with folks along the way. But how many of you have ever seen the poem or the little saying about footprints in the sand? How many of you have ever seen that? Okay, when you see that, it always says unknown author or author unknown on it. Well, guess what? Willard Thomas is that unknown author. He is the one that wrote that. Listen to this. In the 1970s, a dear preacher friend of mine, Brother Willard Thomas, was at that time not yet a pastor, but rather a godly layman in a church. His brother, Edgar Thomas, pastored in Gainesville, Georgia. Brother Willard had for many years been used of God to encourage hearts as a gifted poet. 
He was a salesman, very successful, but due to the tough economy of the late 1970s, his business began to struggle. In a matter of just a few weeks, he was facing bankruptcy. After much thought, Brother Willard drove to an abandoned gravel pit, and with a loaded gun sitting beside him on the car seat, he planned to commit suicide. But while he poured out his broken heart to God, God got in that lonely car with Brother Willard, absolutely overwhelmed him with his tender love and care. Rather than commit suicide, Brother Willard began to jot a few notes down on paper. By the time he was done, the world-famous poem, Footprints, had been written by this humble Christian man. He never told anyone about this ordeal, but not long after, his brother was having a missions conference at their church, and he asked his brother if he had any new poems to read to encourage hearts one night. The only thing he had was footprints. He read it that night, and tears of joy filled many hearts. After the service, a missionary approached him and asked if he could have a, pop, a copy of that poem. It was the only copy he had, but he gave it to him anyway. Several years later, he was in a Christian bookstore and saw footprints etched on a plaque with the credit being author unknown. He could not believe his eyes. He began to see the poem on numerous greeting cards, and many friends tried to persuade him to take his case to court when others tried to take credit for the poem, but he refused. Even though several other people claimed to be the unknown author, his reasoning was simply this. It belongs to God, and his tremendous blessings upon this poem should not be tarnished by greed. That is a man that's doing what he is doing for the glory of God and not himself. What an amazing, amazing thing. That always just encourages my heart when I think about that. You know, if you do what you do for your own glory, guess what? You get discouraged and you'll want to quit because when you're doing it for man, you'll never feel like you've done enough because you're, you're always trying to measure up. You know, I remember when I first started out in the ministry, I wanted to preach like this guy. I wanted to preach like that guy. And then I found out I can't preach like them because I'm not them. I can only be who I am in the Lord. And when I finally found that out, boy, it took a lot of pressure off of me. And remember, God doesn't need your ability. He just wants your availability. He takes ordinary people to do extraordinary things, so he gets the glory. Your pastor's been telling me about some things that have happened here, about the roof and the hell and the things. You know, who gets the glory for that? God gets the glory for that. You know, nobody else could have done that. I, I, I can tell you story after story how God has in, encouraged me along the way and, and done some things that was just unbelievable. And I knew that only God could do that. I couldn't have made that happen. And so... You know, God has been looking for somebody just like you, just like me, who has a heart to want to follow Him and to keep on keeping on for His glory. Listen to what Paul said in Acts twenty twenty four. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Did you hear that? The ministry which He had received. And that first verse that we talked about there... God has, wants you to have a ministry, and he wants you to fulfill it. He wants you to keep on keeping on until the day where either we get caught up in the rapture to go and see him or in death when we meet the Lord. And tonight I'm urging you to use your gift, finish strong, and to keep on keeping on. And there are going to be times of discouragement, times where we're going to fall and struggle. Proverbs twenty four sixteen says, For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. Maybe you're here tonight. And you're discouraged and you're ready to quit on your Sunday school class or a bus route or a job, maybe your marriage. Don't give up. Keep on keeping on. You know, I, I look back at my life and, and sometimes when I get discouraged, there are several things that remind me to keep on keeping on. And one is this. There's a lost and dying world out there that needs to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And if I give up, how many people 
may not hear the gospel if I give up and quit? How many people aren't going to hear the gospel if you give up and quit? I want to read you a letter. I've got letters from... um, Pastor's daughter just gave me a cross, and I've got it here in my Bible. Little things like that mean a lot to me. I can look at things like that, and that will encourage the fire to me sometimes when I'm feeling a little depressed. I was in Maryland at this church, and uh, they were going to let me come into the school and speak. And when I first was going to go, I thought I was going to be able to go in there and give my testimony to about 75 young people. But when I got there, the the pastor and the the principal started talking, and they came over and talked to me, and he said, look, uh, he said, I want you to be able to come back in here, this church to be able to come back in here, so you can tell these people that somebody has changed your life, but you can't tell them who's changed your life. You can't say Jesus, and you can't say God. And I said, what am I going to say? I'm thinking, thinking, how am I going to do this? And I just prayed. I said, God, help me. Give me wisdom. Give me, give me the words to say. And so I could invite them to the meeting. I could tell them we had pamphlets out there. This is the church. This is where you're going to be. So what I did, I, I told those kids, I said, you know, in time in my life where I was in the drinking, I was in the drugs, I was in a lot of things I shouldn't have been in. I said, but somebody delivered me from all of that. And I wish I could tell you about who that is and how that happened, but I can't. They won't let me do that here. And I didn't want to mess it up for the church so they wouldn't be able to get back in there. So I tried to be very careful. And so I said, uh, if you want to hear the rest of the story, I said, you can come to the church where I'm going to be at this week, and I would love to tell you who did this for me. And so I went through it, and I, and I tried to sing songs, and I'm telling you, I said, well, I can't sing that one. That's got Jesus' name. <laughs> you know. And it was very hard. And I remember leaving there, and I was so brokenhearted, and I was so discouraged. And back in my hotel room, I said, God, I, I feel like I was a failure. I, I don't think I said the right things. I don't even think I, I don't even know if I had the right spirit. And I said, God, I, I did the best I could, but Lord, I hope you could use something I said in the lives of those young people. I wanted so much just to give them the gospel, but I didn't want to mess it up for the church. They wouldn't be able to go back in there. And out of those 75 children, there was one boy that came to the meeting that Thursday night. And his name was Casey. And Casey came to the meeting, and when I preached the message and asked, if you're not saved, raise your hand, Casey raised his hand. One of the men in the church came, brought him to the altar, and Casey trusted Christ as his Savior. The next night, he brought his cousin, and she trusted Christ as her Savior. You know, sometimes you think you're not doing anything, you don't think you're doing anything right, and all behind it, God's at work doing things that you have no idea what's going on. And I don't know if that encourages you, but that encourages the fire out of me because there's so many times I do things and I, I think I've just blown it and then God will show me, it's not about you, Bruce. It's not about you. It's about what I can do through you. You just be faithful. You just keep on keeping on for the glory of God and watch me work. And uh, my friend Casey wrote me this letter. The night that I left, I had to leave that Sunday night. I had to head somewhere else. And he stood in front of my van. He said, I'm not going to let you leave. I'm just not going to let you. You cannot go. And I said, Casey, I've got to go. You've got to let me out of here, man. It's already going to be a long night driving. And, but he gave me this. He said, I want you to take this, and I don't want you to read it now. Just take it and read it later. I said, okay. I'm not going to read you all of it. It says, Brother Fry, I hope you get home safe. If it weren't for you, I wouldn't have been able to love Jesus probably. Thank you for that. And I would love to see you again, but I hope you read this all the time. And I hope you know every day in the morning before breakfast, I'll be reading Proverbs, and also I'll be reading the Bible every day. 
I know this note is kind of long, but I think I'm 1% of the reason why you came this week to my school. Ha, ha, ha. And like I say, I hope you get home safe and keep in touch. And he gave me his mom's phone number, your friend Casey. And I can get out things like this and read them. I can tell you what, it helps me to keep on keeping on. Because I realize, you know what, God? You are using me. Even though sometimes I, don't, I feel useless, I feel worthless, I don't feel like anything I'm doing is making a difference. And that's what the Bible says. And if some have compassion, making a difference. And others save them for your pulling them out of the fire. You know, there's a lot of people who are headed for the fires of hell. And if we don't give them gospel and pull them out, who's going to do it? We need to keep on keeping on for the glory of God. I'm so, so glad about that. Then I think about, uh, about a year ago when I got to lead my little mama to Jesus Christ. 80 years old. She bowed her head and heart and trusted Jesus Christ as her Savior. And if I wouldn't have kept on keeping on, I wouldn't have gotten to see that happen. And you know what? Sometimes we get discouraged. We need to think about and go back and think about it. It's good to go back and think about and watch what God has done. And there's a lot more that he wants to do. But we need to keep on keeping on so he can do it. My brother Sammy, I talk about him a lot. He's so dear to my heart. You know, my brother Sammy went to uh, Texas in 1977. Knocking on doors, selling books door to door. There in the hot Texas sun. He said sometimes 14, 16 hour days. And, and he said he knocked on the door of a house of a farmer. And the farmer said, I'm not going to you know, buy one of your books today, Sammy. But I would like to ask you a question before you leave. And my brother said, what's that? He said, if you were to die right now, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell, son? My brother Sammy said, sir, I can't answer that question. And this is what the farmer told him. He said, well, if you, if you don't have an answer to that question, he said, I can tell you where you're going, and you don't want to go there. And he shared the gospel with my brother, even invited my brother to pray, but my brother said, I, I'm not ready to do that. And he said, okay. He said, will you let me pray for you? He said, if you want to. He said he got on his knees beside that old farmer, and that farmer put his hand on his shoulder and prayed for him. Sammy said he kept one eye open. He thought this old boy was going to beat him on the head, take his book money. He didn't know what was going on. Scared to death. Then he was getting ready to leave the the house and the farmer's wife came around the corner and said, hey, Sammy. And he turned around and he said, yes, ma'am. He said he was just about to burst out in tears. She said, I just want you to know that I called some folks at our church and we we're all praying for you, son. He said he felt like somebody reached in his chest and squeezed his heart. It was the Holy Spirit of God knocking on the door of my brother's heart. That summer, later on in that summer, my brother was so discouraged and so tired, he was ready to quit. He wanted to come home. So he called my mother on the telephone and when she answered the phone, he started talking to her. Of course, he was already weeping over the phone all the way in Texas. Here, My mom's in North Carolina. And he said, Mom, he said, I'm so tired. I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to come home, Mom. I'm just tired. I can't take it. These days are so long, and people are so rude, and I'm just, I'm just ready to come home. My mother started crying. She couldn't even talk, and she handed the phone to my dad. My dad got on the other end. He said, What's the matter, son? He said, Dad, I want to come home. He said, I'm tired, I'm hot, and I'm discouraged, and I just want to come home, Dad. Can I come home, Dad? And my dad said on the other end of the phone, Son, finish the job, and then you can come home. He said, But Dad, you don't understand how hard it is and how hot it is and how tired I am. I'm discouraged. Dad, I want to come home. He said, Son, finish the job, and then come home. He said, But Dad, and one more time, my dad said, Sammy, Finish the job and then come home. He said, okay, Dad. Guess what? My brother got saved that summer in Texas. 
What if he'd have come home? That might not have happened. I'm glad that he kept on keeping on. But more importantly than my brother keeping on keeping on, I'm glad the Lord Jesus Christ didn't stop as he put his face like a flint toward the cross. He let nothing stop him. He kept on keeping on all the way to the cross. Even in the garden, he said in Luke twenty two forty two, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Even though he said, Lord, if the, God, if there's another way. Father, if there's another way. But it's not what I want. It's what you want. Sometimes that's what we need to pray. God, I'm tired, I'm discouraged, but help me to remember it's not about me, it's about you. And it's about other people. This whole thing of service. Y'all can almost hear God the Father answering that prayer saying, finish the job, son, and then come home. Finish the job, son, and then come home. Isaiah 56, that I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. And the next verse says, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he would declare, Father, I have finished the work which you sent me to do. And I can imagine the Father saying, it is enough. Welcome home. I'm glad that Jesus didn't quit. Because if he had quit, we wouldn't be here today. There would be no salvation. There would be no way to heaven. Wow. Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. Keep on keeping on, brother, sister in Christ, for the best is yet to come. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.